Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. The unconventional take on all things innovation, tech, and transformation. Join us as we explore the ideas and impact that might just change, change the world. Welcome to the podcast that is Disruption Land. So, what is Disruption Land? It is the place to explore the trends, the tech, and the transformation upending business, society, and life as we know it. Disruption Land is not so much a place as it is a state of mind. My name is Hannes Sapiens, and I am the Chief Disruption Officer at Epicenter, and I have been a part of this exciting innovation community since its very early days. I will be your host for the deep dives of Disruption Land. And I do indeed intend to take you deep down into the rabbit holes. With this podcast, our ambition is to help you understand the most important disruptive trends and phenomena that are currently out there. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I think you will find The topic for today's podcast episode is intelligent virtual assistants. So what are these virtual assistants? Well, an intelligent virtual assistant or IVA is a software agent that can perform tasks or services for an individual based on commands or questions. They may have different modes of interaction. It can be text-based, voice or visual, but the dynamic is principally the same and it's the brain behind that really matters. Virtual assistants may be integrated into many types of platforms, in operating systems, smartphones, laptops, smart speakers, websites, social media channels, cars, wearables, or across all of these. Known examples of chatbots are Microsoft's Tay, Facebook's Blender, and Google's Mina. Well-known examples of voice assistants include Apple's Siri, Amazon's Alexa, Microsoft's Cortana and the Google Assistant. Assistants with visual processing capabilities include Samsung's Bixby. The emergence of virtual assistants is a consequence of the concurrent convergence of several technologies. First of all, computing power becoming cheaper, the expansion in broadband communications, the explosion in big data enabling in turn machine learning acceleration, specifically in the fields of automatic speech recognition and natural language understanding. And enterprise dimension, the services integration, the platform thinking that if you have a good interface, you can integrate all kinds of offerings and services from all kinds of players under one hood. We've also seen an absolute explosion in the capabilities of these assistants with Amazon Alexa now wielding tens of thousands of different skills ranging from translation between all kinds of different languages to shopping certain items or simply telling jokes. And these skills are doubling in number every year. So why are virtual assistants important? Why should you care? I mean, this is what the Disruption Land podcast is all about. Why should you care? Well, in short, IVAs will enable a very powerful digital service experience. It will have a great intimacy with the user since it doesn't just have a deep data-driven 
understanding of the needs of the user that can even predict. It will also have a very high degree of personalization. I mean, the user will have to give its own input and design how they want the assistant to be. You will essentially design your own company representative. And above all, we will give our assistants authorizations to perform tasks. They will have login, they will have accesses so that they can perform tasks on our behalf. My view is that IVAs will be a dominating digital service experience by the middle of the 2020s. It will be the digital service experience. And likely, we will have multiple different assistants. A shopping assistant with certain skills, a financial assistant with a different set of authorizations, perhaps a health assistant, a nutritionist, or a dating assistant. Companies and organizations will be approaching this interface from all kinds of different directions and positions. There will be business-driven initiatives, there will be open source initiatives, perhaps there'll even be public initiatives, and there will be a war. It will be super important to be the number one assistant to the consumer. It will be a critical gatekeeper function. I think we're facing a platform war that is going to make the Mac versus Windows race or the Symbian iOS Android war for mobile platforms totally pale in comparison. And this is for two reasons. First of all, as I've already said, extreme intimacy of the service relation. Because once that is established, it will be very hard to break. It will be a very, very intimate relationship. And secondly, the number of players involved. Because now we have Chinese companies like Alibaba and Tencent. They are challenging the American tech giants in the interest race. So the outcome is very hard to predict. But we know that there are enormous investments and enormous engagement going into building this interface right now. And it is truly going to change the way we do business and the way we communicate in the coming years. In order to go beyond the sound bites, we want to bring in the real experts. People who not only work with this technology on a daily basis, but who also work hard to understand what drives it and who also has the ability to share that knowledge. It's therefore my absolute privilege to welcome Daniel Yelte to Disruption Land. Daniel is Managing Director at Accenture Strategy in the Nordics, and he also leads Accenture's intelligent enterprise practice. Daniel, I know you're a very busy man. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Hande. So with, with that introduction, it feels like an absolute privilege to be here. Very exciting. Thank you. We certainly are. And Daniel, we're not here to waste anybody's time. So let's go straight to the topic. Can you, in your own words, describe the phenomenon of intelligent virtual assistants? For me, uh, virtual assistants or conversational AI is how humans and systems interact on human conditions. So if I look back historically, we have been interacting with different kinds of systems for a while, but it has always been a a system-driven type of interaction, pressing buttons or using apps or filling in forms. I think with conversational AI and virtual agents, we start to 
handle that interaction on human conditions in the form of a dialogue. So I think that's my main definition of uh, virtual agents. They are coming to meet us on our terms. And that's that's fascinating because it's also the it gives much greater access to the technology. But Daniel, conversational AI, it's really just one part of the phenomenon, right? What other dimensions is it to uh, virtual assistants? If if I would break down virtual assistants, I would probably split it in uh, three dimensions. One is the interface, meaning how do humans and the system you know, engage and interact in what, you know, shape and form, in what medium. The other dimension is the intelligence, meaning how do we actually make this conversation meaningful and allow the machine to understand the intent of, of the human. And the third dimension is integration because in order for virtual assistants to actually execute meaningful tasks they need to in turn be integrated to other systems so i would probably talk about interface intelligent and integration as the three components that are key i think that that's elegantly put i think the, the third dimension shouldn't be underestimated because since they are assistants we want to delegate stuff to them they should they should perform tasks. No, right? absolutely, and and I think that's actually one of the you know common mistakes that companies struggle with uh, in their ability to actually scale value from virtual assistants. Because I think if you look back in Sweden and the Nordics, I think the trend of virtual assistants took off a couple of years ago. In the beginning, it was often in the shape of more of a FAQ robot, meaning that you go somewhere to get generic, non-personalized information. I think level two of that, which start to realize the real value, is that you get, as you say, the system to actually do something for you and that it's personalized. And I think the level three of that will be going from you know, reactive to proactive advice. So if you take the example of, I don't know, changing your password, level one would be, okay, tell me how I change my password and I get instructions for how to do it and then I do it myself. Level two, um, via conversational dialogue, the system helps me to change my password. Level three would be uh, your password Daniel is expiring in two days. Do you want me to help you change that for you? So changing the, the dynamic of who uh, who really drives them. Uh, you, the you didn't get to the point where the assistant tells you, Daniel, I changed your password. <laughs> that's that's level four. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see when we get to that point, right? Brilliant. Now, we're here, of course, many of our listeners are uh, entrepreneurs and business managers. Where do you see that virtual assistants bring the greatest value to businesses? It's a super good question. And I think it's it's probably two dimensions of, of the answer. But for me, it's about automating different types of conversations or interactions, again, between humans and, and systems. And my strong belief is that when we talk about virtual agents, the concept is not to replace human 
interactions. It's to complement humans in how we create better interactions and ultimately you know, more engaging experiences for, for the people on the other hand. So I think my strong belief is that virtual agents are not necessarily better uh, than humans in interacting, but I, I firmly believe that the combination of virtual assistants and humans are better than human in, 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 in interaction. And I think the drivers for that is ultimately that virtual agents can do things that humans can't respond to a very big set of questions uh, in very many parallel dialogues, very high accuracy, then the fact there is, 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 is still the fact that humans are much better in solving other type of problems. But if we are able to combine them, I think we are together able to serve the person on the other side in the best way. Also you know, redirecting the humans to focus on what they are really, really good at and not sort of mundane transactional tasks. Brilliant. I think I should qualify my question a bit. When I ask about the value creation of assistance, we have, of course, the business process automation dimension, which is not novel. We've done that for decades. And then we have the service experience dimension with customers. So if we dig a little bit deeper into the first dimension, sort of internally in companies and organizations, where do you see virtual assistance being the most value-adding? I think the natural place to start for many companies historically, and that's the case now as well, I think, is in traditional internal support functions like, you know, the the HR help desk or IT help desk. In many companies, that's where you start. And typically, you tend to want to build your experience internally before you go externally. Uh, to put it in your sort of real customer uh, service function or in your actual product, for example, if that's a car. At at the same time, I think the element of conversational enabled interaction now spans way beyond only the the sort of traditional support functions like an IT help desk or HR support or an external customer support. You, You nowadays use conversational AI for legal advice or you know product design to help you know iterate your product so from going from traditional support functions the use of conversational ai is becoming a sort of quite effective vehicle for very innovative processes as well or functions interesting and then Let's take it from the other side, exactly. What about adding these dimensions to customer support, as you say, to products, to making this your uh, primary customer interaction interface? What what is the digital service experience of virtual assistants? It's uh, it's almost a philosophical question to me. I I think, you know, with the pace of technology shift now, with, you know, the way younger people grow up, and also with you know the acceleration of things that we see right now as an effect of COVID-19, for example, I think doing transactions and digital activities in the form of a conversation is for me the ultimate way of acting with a system. I think there is also very you know, interesting statistics on it. We did a survey and this was probably two, three years back asking Generation Z people, what are they? Roughly 20 years. How do you compare interaction with a system via an AI chatbot versus a human customer service agent? 
And the preference for that group was very clear. They would absolutely prefer the AI chatbot for many reasons. And, you know, and, and, and for me, you know, I, I, I see that behavior. I have four small kids. They are between 10 months and 10 years. Not yet the 10 month old, but the, the other ones, they interact also with each other in a very new way. And I think they will translate that way of interacting also to inter- how they want to interact with companies or authorities or you know government agencies or whatever it whatever it is and i think a key dimension is also the concept of not continuous dialogue meaning mm. that in a traditional system or in a traditional voice dialogue i call someone i need to have a long conversation to get something out of it but w- with the virtual agents and conversational AI, regardless if it's voice or, or chat, I can do it on my terms. I can initiate the conversation during morning. Then I can wait until lunch to take the next step. And then I can finalize it during you know, evening time. And it's very similar how you know, young people now interact with each other. So I think, again, you know, creating an interaction with systems on human conditions will be the you know the key enabler and ultimately what will make the experience good my belief at least i mean after all what we're doing with the scenario you described that just makes so much sense is that we're we're again making the service experience more user friendly i don't need to have all the data prepared when i get to the service individual right no i can come back and the conversation that sits there maybe i change channels maybe i go from voice to chat to exactly you know sharing a document in an app and ultimately if it's the same assistant behind all those interfaces it doesn't really matter which is the medium of communication at any given time that's also something we need to make happen. That's the first dimension you described, which is the interface. How do you see that these interfaces are evolving? Will, will, we, will it be sort of a complete omni-channel accessibility to virtual assistants? Will we be able to text them in Facebook Messenger and then two minutes later give them a phone call and then share an image on, on Instagram with, with our assistants? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think so. And for me, looking at conversational AI from the enterprise perspective, it actually creates a completely new channel for them to create that you know, omni-channel experience. Because not only perhaps for the enterprise, but also for new ecosystems. Because if you imagine that you work in an industry and what we see now more and more is that different companies within the industry and from other industries are coming together to provide the consumer something that is bigger value than the unique part. Uh, I think we see it now in the COVID situation regarding health, for example, and everything related to the home. There are sort of new ecosystems opening up. And to fix that, to fix a seamless omnichannel experience for all those companies in traditional channel, an app, or a homepage would be very time-consuming and cumbersome. Also, you know, what will it look like? How do you get the data integration, etc.? But having that interface in the form of a dialogue opens up a complete new way for a simplified, you know, omnichannel experience. And then there is, of course, still so many dimensions to think about in how you actually, you know, succeed in that interface. O- only 
the dimension of your persona of you know how do you actually come across you know in the in in the chat dialogue or in voice what is your what's the tone of voice or the persona that you know resonates with your brand are you you know very formal in how you 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 communicate or are you you know a little bit more loose using you know, icons or whatever. Fascinating that you say, Daniel. I, I, I wanted to explore that with you. I had that later on in my questionnaire, but since you already bring it up, what I am struggling with today with the current generation of virtual assistants, the one we're so familiar with, with Siri and Alexa and whatnot, is that there's still one size fits all. And that just makes zero sense in the digital age. So my view is that this must evolve and, and everyone will design their personal assistant. So even if they all, so to say, the assistants work for the same company, if I want my uh, insurance company representative to be speaking in street slang and, you know, just share with me spontaneous rap songs or whatever, I, sh- I, I should be able to design that experience. Or if I want a, a, a British lord, uh, you know, with, with a beautiful uh, Oxford accent to be sharing, uh, you know, the updates with me in whatever channel, that must, of course, be up to the individual, right? Yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and I think it will create a in, very interesting situation as well when you have potentially a virtual agents on both sides. One that is executing everything that I, as a human citizen consumer, need help with, and then other virtual agents representing all the services and companies that I interact with. But I think a couple of thoughts on that. I think, first of all, we touched, we touched it a little bit you know, before. I think one, one key dimension that, that some companies surprisingly get wrong, but I think is, is completely fundamental, is to never have your virtual agents pretend to be humans. So I think you have to be super clear with, you know, regardless if it's, you know, mobile interaction or via homepage, that the interaction is driven by a virtual agent and not a human. And, and I think that's for two reasons. One is to set the expectations, but then, then also to make sure that you have the opportunity to escalate or delegate the conversation to a human. Because if you're not clear with that from the beginning, it's sometimes difficult for the consumer to know who am I actually speaking to and then you know if if the conversation doesn't go as planned then to escalate a human could you know cause some friction interesting that you say so I, I wouldn't agree with you really here because what I think Daniel is that well, at least my personal vision on this tech is that since I will design my own virtual assistant I will be very intimately familiar with with that person, persona of that of that assistant, right? I've given them a name, I've given them a dialect, a socialect, and and all these dimensions. I've given, I've decided what sense of humor I want them to have, etc., and how how strict they should be with me. Johannes, you really need to. I mean, I blocked this purchase, right? You, <laughs> you're supposed to be saving money now, like a bank assistant could potentially do, right? But I think that this idea of escalating, being able to escalate to humans, I think is flawed because it would entail the concept that a human would provide a better service experience than the assistant. And yes, that is currently the case. But I think as this technology evolves, the service level and the service experience will be indistinguishable from a human. And soon thereafter, the assistant will be able to perform a far superior because it's quicker, it's always available, it has access to enormous knowledge at a moment's notice. It will be beyond human service experiences. Now, 
I, I love that perspective. Um, where I come from is, now if I go back to these two, who is the virtual agent working for? Super simplified. You, you have your personal, you know, personal assistant that, that does, I think, he or she or it will do exactly what you like in the way you want it. The other dimension will be how does companies represent their brand in that dialogue and the, the sort of in, interesting notion of that where, where I can almost get a little bit confused myself is that you know what happens when when those meets because I think we have now you know companies are establishing their their virtual agents and shut in different channels they have a persona uh, you go to them and you interact with them and now with uh, you know Google Home and uh, Alexa and, and, and Siri, you you create your personal assistant that works a little bit on the other side. It's it, it's a channel that interacts on behalf of you to start doing things. I think that the interesting components is you know when those dimensions meet, mm. and I think you know Google Duplex was, was an interesting case of that, and I think it also takes almost that discussion to the next level. You know, what is conversational AI good for and what is it not good for? Because I think when you ultimately end up in this dialogue between a machine and machine again, then, you know, interactions in the form of a human-looking conversation is probably not the most efficient way. So it's, uh, I think it's a super, mm. super interesting dynamic. But I think just, just to build on your point as well, you know, it's the topic of, you know, personalized virtual agents or, or, or chatbots, that, that, that will be the future. And I think not only for business, but also for relationships mm. and, you know, to tackle some of the society sh- challenges we have related to, uh, you know, loneliness, mental well-being and, and others. But I think there's also like, and I'm, I'm torn here myself, and I think it goes back to my job as well. I have many hats, but two of them. One is to lead our AI business in, in, in the Nordics, which is all about progressing the technology and finding the coolest use cases, personalized services to the consumer at any time uh, with optimal content. Fantastic. I also have a hat that is, I'm taking care of our initiative around mental well-being, mm. meaning how do we actually stay sane? mentally sane in this world of technology that is currently you know poking for 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 our attention and there is now there is scary statistics there as well we are more lonely today we 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 see i see it around me as well that you know burnout and stress it's happening at younger ages, I have experienced that myself. Mm. And the, tr- the 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 complex relationship here is that how do we how do we get these two components to play together, utilizing you know advanced technologies ultimately to improve humanity. And if I just take one example, that I don't know if it's good or bad. You know, there, there is there is an application that is called the Replica. It's a chatbot. It's, I think it has close to 10 million users worldwide. And it's, it's purposed to become your best friend. So you start chatting with it. It learns how to speak with you. You know, it replicates your style. It tests different content that you like and, you know, provides you. Basically, it becomes your best friend. And of course, the more time you spend with it, the more it learns what you like. And so far, you know, that's, 
you can argue that that is great. And uh, it is, you know, um, especially for, it could be, you know, people that do not have uh, that number of, of friends and maybe wants to handle topics that you cannot perhaps open up to yet to another human, you know, th- then that is that is great. But it, it also risks you know, steering us into an even more you know, stronger path of, of self-isolation. Mm. So there is really this duality. And for me, it, without getting too philosophical, it's, it's almost touching you know, the very first degree of immortality without risk of sounding too crazy. Because I think if I, let's imagine that I create the perfect replica of myself. Someone that interacts with, you know, like me, you know, know what I like, etc., etc. Um, let's then assume that I have that my mother or father has the same, and they have also trained their replica to to perfection. And the time come when they die, and then that replica is still there, mm-hmm. uh, and it, you know, if I assume that it's perfectly trained then I can still you know, interact with my mother or father. And in one way, that is beautiful. Absolutely. Daniel, comparing, you've covered a fascinating range of topics and we'll have to revisit a few of them. But let me just build up on that last particular image. Yes, we, we already today easily log the image, the voice, the behavior, the, the conversation of, of individuals. We have artists who have been dead for years going on tour as holograms today, right? Unfortunately, some of these concerts were recently cancelled <laughs> because of the pandemic. So time is turning back on itself in, in absolutely fascinating ways. I think if you compare the experience of uh, looking at a picture of grandma in a classic photo album made of paper or looking at clips of her on your smartphone, but ultimately being able to bring grandma back for Christmas dinner every year, sitting as a hologram by the table arguing about today's politics, scolding the grandchildren, telling the good old jokes. Grandma, tell us the one about when you went to um, to Wabai, whatever. Yeah, we can totally create those experiences today. And yes, they are impacting human relations at the very core. But now let me give a little counterpoint to, to the worries that you have about this scenario, because yes, we have loneliness and we have stress, etc. But how do we deal with loneliness in today's society. Well, people watch TV, right? You're at home alone, you turn on the TV. I mean, a a conversational AI with empathy, with an understanding of your needs, with a concern about your well-being is, of course, a million times better than a stupid TV just blaring away in the corner. So we are truly humanizing technology in ways that I think are beneficial. And now we're way beyond the business applications here, but it, it will have an impact on human relationships and mental well-being. However, my take is that the potential upsides are very significant. What do you think? I, I, I really like that that uh, description. And I also like the similarity to the photography. Because I think it's just us not being... You know, you, you, you live in the now. So it's, it's almost difficult to understand what, what is a photography in, in 20 years. That is possibly, you know, grandma sitting at the table, you know, shouting at the kids. And at that point, ah, shit, we will think that this is old school. <laughs> you know, she's not even smart anymore. And, you know, so, so I, I really like that. And it, 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 it makes me think. And I'm, I'm also very 
positive and optimistic about the use of technology. And I think we even see those examples now. We did last year a very cool project with Stockholm Exergy around how to tackle loneliness for elderly people uh, that live alone. And the device here is called a memory lane. It's basically a Google Home device, but the elderly person can record basically or, or tell the best story f- stories of his or her life. And the conversational AI understands the concept and digests the components so it can tell the stories back and also have a meaning, meaningful conversation about them. For example, you know, Hannes, tell me about you know, your amazing vacation in Sicily three years ago when you met person X. And I think as you say, that's a component that will probably dramatically raise the quality of life for those people. Thanks for joining us here in Disruption Land. To visit us again, just subscribe to Disruption Land Podcast. This podcast is produced by Epicenter, the house of digital innovation. Discover all about our vibrant tech and business community and inspiring workspaces at weareepicenter.com.